Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Well, good morning, Arizona. Yes, I guess we start now. It's a beautiful morning, but we beat the sun up this morning. You know, it's just starting to rise here in Sunny Slope. Anyway, happy Sunday. Welcome to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We have Shira here as usual on phones and music. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed here early in the morning for us. And Troy back in there finding out what's going to happen with the news. And, and I'm Brian, and I guess I'm the host. And anyway, you can give us a call at 602-277-5827. That's uh, 277-KTAR. We can talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, what to grow, how to grow it, where to grow it. You could tell us stories about different things you're doing at home. There's a lot of styles, a lot of things to grow here. You know, we're a very diverse country, very diverse state now. We've got plants being grown from all over the world. We could talk about not bringing them in unless you do it correctly, but uh, we don't want to bring any strange critters that like our desert, but uh, you know, we sure like our desert, so we can talk about how we maintain our water and uh, what we can do to utilize it as it best, uh, you know, for our life in the life of our planet. We can talk about anything you want to grow. You know, and we're here and it's, you know, fall for most people in the world. You know, most people, it's getting colder every day and it's getting a little chilly here some mornings, but this is our real planting season. If you want to grow vegetables, if you want to go broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, kale, carrots, radishes, uh, all kinds of root crops, now is the perfect time to plant. It uh, If you want to grow some beautiful color, if you're going to have a bunch of people over for Halloween, uh, if you want to have a Halloween party a little early or whatever you want to do. Now is the perfect time to plant color here in our desert. You know, in a lot of places, they, they're planting, you know, bulbs this time of year that they're going to wait for spring. Well, guess what? Our spring's here. You can plant beautiful geraniums, petunias, pansies, snap stocks, cyclamen if you want that kind of winter feel. And all those things do exceedingly well planted this time of year. And you can have beautiful blooms from the day you plant them till uh, the end of May or so. We could talk about lawns, how to take care of them, how to utilize them. We can talk about pruning things. Uh, citrus. You know, citrus, one of our five C's here in Arizona. And, uh, you know, what's so special is that we have far less pests and grow easier citrus than almost anywhere on the planet. And what's really nice about our citrus is that uh, our warm days and cool nights would get our acid content better. It's what makes our navel oranges some of the best around. And so there's a lot of, you know, great things going to happen with our citrus season. You know, and walking through the nursery the last couple days, the, the fruit on the trees, the colors start to breaking on the trees that we have for sale at the nursery and out in our groves you know the Meyer lemons are starting to get their color so pretty soon we'll have them in the stores around the valley with some of our great uh, friends and uh, we'll be out in our full swing citrus harvest and you know the best way to pick a citrus variety to grow in your yard is go eat one off your neighbor's tree and uh, you know taste a locally grown tree ripened citrus you can grow awfully nice quality ones here um, all kinds of other beautiful trees and plants we grow you know here we have our special Sonoran native desert things like the Akatios and the saguaros and the ironwood trees. But, you know, we blend those with tropical plants that come from Africa 
and Asia, Australia. We've got all kinds of cool desert tropicals you can grow here. Uh, but most importantly, uh, give us a call. The number to call is 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. We'd like to hear what you want to grow. And we can take this show in any direction. There's all different kinds of things to be grown here and uh, all different styles and ways to grow them. And if you're growing something new or a little different, I uh, would love to hear from you. If uh, we want to, you know, kind of try and add and do some different things, we'd love to hear from you as well. You know, we're at a place that we call semi-tropical. We haven't had a real freeze of much to count anyway in the last four years. Not that it can't happen. Not that it might not happen this year. But we do grow an awful lot of tropical plants. We grow things like plumeras and ficus and, you know, a lot of things that other people could never dream of growing outdoors. We grow some of the most beautiful bougainvillea, you know, I think on the planet. And, uh, you know, I get part of my opinion from friends that come and visit from other parts of the world. And they, they look at our bougainvilleas here in the wintertime and go, wow, you know, we try to grow those. They're really hard. We put them on the patio, you know, for the summer or, or maybe we grow them and it rains too much like down in Florida. But, you know, here with our desert climate, we can grow some of the most colorful, beautiful plants in the world. You know, and whoever named Florida the Sunshine State obviously had not been west of the Mississippi. You know, we have more lumens and we have more light here in the desert than any place else. This is the sunshiniest state that there is, just in the United States. I mean, I'm sure you could be somewhere in, in Africa, maybe, and, and have a drier spot. But, you know, for here, our bright, intense light uh, makes a huge difference. And, you know, for many of us who go up north at different times during the summer, you can see as you get at higher elevations, it's even brighter. Brighter. But uh, here in our low deserts, uh, we don't have the atmosphere like we have today all the time. So we do get an awful lot of light. And that light's what really makes a lot of our plants flourish and bloom better and have more compact growth. And uh, the lack of humidity is what makes the bougainvilleas perhaps a little prettier. But whatever your dreams, whatever your desires, give us a call. We can take this show in any direction. You know, we, we have no special topic that we have to talk about today. We will talk a little about, I'm sure, the, the color that we can plant now and the and the vegetables and those kind of things, because those are things that are really unique to our desert. But if you have something fun or different that you're doing at home, we would love to hear from you. The number to call once more is 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Well, if you've never planted a garden, you know, this is the perfect time to do so. Uh, we can grow winter vegetables here like no one else. And uh, for most of the United States, we're going to be shipping their broccoli, lettuce, college cabbage, lettuce, cauliflower, kale and uh, you know along with if you want to grow root crops if you want to plant carrots or radishes if you want to plant some beets uh, those all do very fine too so if you haven't ever planted a garden before and you want to start one now's a good time uh, a couple of things that we don't think about planting this time of year because we're not going to harvest them now that you really should get started uh, number one would be strawberries if you want to grow nice strawberries here in Arizona you need the plants to be big enough when they hit spring in February to start to bloom and grow so now is the perfect time to plant strawberries strawberries. And the other thing are peppers. You know, we, we've grown peppers for years at the nursery. And, you know, when we try and start our peppers, we normally seed them right about now to have them ready to plant, you know, the 15th of February. But if you're willing to protect your peppers and plant peppers this time of year, you'll have a crop in, in March, which you're not going to have by a newly planted plant. Well, we'll take our first call this morning, Jerry in Sun City. After Jerry, we've got wide open phones. The number to call, 602-277-5827. Give us a call. You pick the topic and we'll uh we'll dive into it here in the Whitfield Nursery Garden show. Jerry, good morning. Hey Brian, listen, I got a 
anything other than vincas that rabbits won't eat. I live in Sun City Grand, and we're overwhelmed with these rabbits. I mean, I can look out my front or back any time of the day or night, and there's five and six rabbits out there. Well, Jerry, you know, I, you have one big problem out there in Sun City. And, and it's easily solved, you know, because if you were in Germany at Oktoberfest, you'd be eating Hassenpfeffer. Most of those rabbits in Sun City are cottontails, and they, yep. they are delicious, you know, with these I cool know, mornings. I know, can't shoot them out here. Trap them. Trap them, and then what? What am I getting? <laughs> then you're going to eat them, you know? Uh, they're, they're bunnies, they're cottontails. Think of all the energy we put into feeding them in our gardens. Think of the well, petunias well, they've eaten. If I do eaten. that, I'm going to send them over to you. Oh, uh, as long as you've got them clean, ready to grill, you come over and we'll have a party. <laughs> hey, seriously, though, is there any other flowers oh, you, besides you don't think I'm they being won't serious? eat? Uh, they don't eat geranium so much. Um, they love petunias. There's a lot of things they really do love. But um, no, I know. And, and you can use some of the sprays that will deter them to some, you know, some extent. But really, this their presence and their numbers are a problem. And we don't have enough owls, coyotes, and foxes to eat them all. But you know, um, we used to have so many coyotes out here when I first moved in here. You could walk around the golf course and see fifteen, twenty coyotes. Now you're lucky if you see one every other week. It's just uh, I don't know. I wish they'd have open season here. Well, if that's all you can tell me then i guess well, i'll have to live with it well it, yeah. a pellet gun or something. It, it's pretty hard the pellet guns do work and you know if you shoot them in your backyard with the you know if you have a nice place to invite the rabbits in but uh <laughs> no they they really can do a lot of damage and you know like you say so i think people trap the coyotes and move them to other places instead of leaving the coyotes and letting them eat the rabbits but you know the owls do a good job too and yeah, we got a lot of them and we got uh uh harris hawks and stuff like that mm-hmm. but these rabbits, they just, they were so prolific last year. It's, uh, anyway, well, I guess I'll have to live with it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know of anything that they're not going to bother some, Jerry. I wish I did. Okay, well, thanks anyway. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, yeah, there's repellents in the wires and that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, really, you need nature to help nature. And when we thin nature out, we don't have the friends and allies that we could have. Well, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we've got wide open phones. Give Shira a call. The number to call is 602-277-5827-277-KTR. It's Brian and Shira here every Sunday morning with the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show, which is the listener participation program. So give her a call, 602-277-5827. We'll be right back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on 92.3 FM KTAR.
what a beautiful Sunday morning it is out there, folks. We're live here from Sunny Slope, and uh, I knew the day was going to get short enough we could start off with that song, and the morning's just starting to break over Squaw Peak. Anyway, happy Sunday morning. Welcome to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, where we have wide open phones. Yes, it's the perfect time to call. Don't be shy if you never called before. If you have a suggestion, an idea, if you've got some solution to the flower thing, if you got flowers that rabbits won't eat at your house, we would love to hear from you. You know, I was over in El Paso last week. Uh, we were doing some big trees for a customer or client over there. And uh, what was amazing is how they decorated with pumpkins. And they have beautiful piles of pumpkins that they put in front of the larger homes. And, and then instead of doing color because it's so cold, they, their flowers won't last, they were decorating with pumpkins for the season. And, and they were really beautiful. They had big piles of pumpkins running up in front in all different kinds of colors and different sizes. And so we were mentioning that around the office and it's like, well, might not work so well in Phoenix. Perhaps the javelinas would come eat them all. And, you know, we do have a lot of javelinas and other wildlife here in the valley that you don't see other places. But, you know, it's it's here to enjoy. It's fun to see. And if you haven't been out hiking and exploring the desert, you know, now is the perfect time to do so. And uh, this is the time we kick in season for the southern deserts. But you know, you can go south of the valley. You can go down to around Ajo and see all the beautiful cactus there. Or you can go over by Quartzsite and go south and you can see where the only palm trees are that are native. That really a native big stand down in Palm Canyon. And uh, so there's a lot of fun things to see in our deserts this time of year. You know, whether you go to the Kofa Mountains or the, or the Colorado River or uh, down in southern Arizona. A lot of places that are really worth being out and seeing. Anyway, give us a call. 602 277 5827-277-KTR. Talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, or maybe you're a little hungover from the Halloween party last night. We don't know. Anyway, it uh, it is a beautiful time of year. It's a fantastic time here when our weather changes and it enables us to grow so many more different things, but uh, it also enables us to you know get out and spend more time in our lawns and enjoy those kind of things. If you've planted a new ryegrass lawn that's been up a few weeks, now's the time to probably you know pay attention and cut back on the water. For your drip systems, you know, if you had drip running all summer, you know, check out, you know, how much later the sun's coming up, how much cooler it is, and it's time to adjust those drip systems down. For, you know, established landscapes, ones that have been in more than two or three years, there's really almost nothing that needs water more than weekly. You know, maybe you're planting a brand new vegetable garden or new flowers. You might need more water. But aside from that, it is really time to address our irrigation, not to put too much water on. Not only do we waste water by using too much, but we also are going to hurt our plants. You know, things like citrus, now's the time you cut back on the irrigation. The days are shorter. Not that you don't water them, not at all, but you're going to water them for a big mature tree now about once every two weeks. Uh, get next to our, back to our calls. We do have two lines still open. The number to call is 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Grace and Chandler, good morning. Hi. Um, I have lost the paperwork that says what kind of orange tree I have. And okay. I'm wondering if you can tell me how to identify what variety so I can get more excited as the oranges Well, the first thing to do, Grace, is look for the navel. You know, if it doesn't have a belly button, it's not a navel. And navels come in two main varieties. It's going to be either a Caracara or a Washington navel for the most part. And you can tell that by the color of the fruit inside. And navels are going to be pretty edible depending on the rootstock here. You know, somewhere in about the first or second week of December, they'll start to get pretty decent. Um, how large are the fruit that you have on your tree? 
Um, baseball? Bigger than a baseball, smaller than a softball? Okay, so they're probably not one of the smaller varieties of Arizona sweet. Uh, as a chance okay. it could be a Valencia. And Valencia oranges, you'll tell if you if you taste one in December, it won't be very good. Um, Valencia oranges tend to ripen by most varieties in April or so. Um, if it's oh. a thick skin fruit, okay, that's about that size, it could be a Trevita. And a Trevita is a wild sport off of a navel tree, which makes quite a tasty fruit. And it will ripen somewhere mid to late December as well. And the Arizona sweets will be typically much smaller than what you're describing. Most of them around now are Hamlins, and they won't be as that large. And um, so that would probably preclude those. So my guess is uh, navel, you can easily tell. The Trevita will have a thick rind like a navel. And the Valencia won't taste very good for a while. Okay. So now I I think it might be a Washington or a Caracara. Mm-hmm. If I'm remembering correctly, now that you said that, when so those those both ripen at the same time in December to March. Well, yeah, well, the December on on the Caracara navel, it's going to ripen a little bit earlier than a Washington navel does, and it depends on your rootstock how early they're good. But what's really fantastic for our citrus crop this year going forward is that we're having these cool mornings. So these cool mornings are what oh. kick off the change and break the sugar content, and you know they start to get sweeter and sweeter. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be afraid to taste one, you know, probably somewhere along the first week or so of December. I mean, I don't think any of the oranges will really be ripe before that time. Uh, if you're really, okay. you know, if you're anxious and if you have a lot of fruit, go ahead, cut one early. But um, okay, then and then if it's a Washington, it'll be what color, and if it's a Caracara, it'll be what color? Well, it's going to be more of a red color on a Caracara. More red color on a character, even that early in the season? Even that early in the season. Yeah, it'll be oh, a different wow. color. It won't look orange. It'll look kind of a pinkish orange. Okay, okay. And then how do I know when it's ripe enough to pick? Whatever you like eating them. You know, typically in a, in, a, in a farm situation, what we do is we send the children to the grove. And when the children uh, don't okay. come right back, we know that it's time to eat fruit. Okay. If the, if the kids go out and they come back and they have big splatters on their back, we know they had an orange fight instead of eating oranges. And, uh, okay. you know, all's, all, all's fun in an orchard. You know, we grew up in an orchard. So all's fun in an orchard. And if they come back with splats out, it's okay. My grandfather would let us, you know, splat a few. He would just be upset if we were splatting navels. Well, okay. I only have seven. So I kind of don't want to, I, I don't want to waste them. I want to wait until they're, they're better than when they're not. Okay, so, so don't 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 be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry. Wait till the middle of December, and by then, you know, you, you, if you can make it past the middle of December, you're, you're more patient than most. You know, mid December would be a good time to start trying one. What about a Christmas orange? Well, navel oranges here in the valley oftentimes are very good by Christmas. So whether it be a Caracara, which is almost always good by Christmas, or a Washington navel. And and there's a lot of other navels, too, but your chances of having one in a young tree aren't very good. I mean, those are the two predominant varieties you'd most likely have. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate all your wisdom and your time. Well, there's no wisdom, but thanks for being part of the program and bailing me out on the phone call. <laughs> Bye, Grace. <laughs> Bye-bye. Oh, let's see. Next up, we got Dave. But after Dave, we're we're still begging, folks. The number to call is 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Good morning, Dave. Yes. Good morning, Brian. Um, question for you. 
Tempe, Phoenix, many of the cities are having a big push right now to plant more trees. They want to have certain percent uh, shade in the areas, and that's good because they want to mitigate the heat island effect. But these trees take water, and we're already in a Tier 1 drought condition in Tempe and in Scottsdale. So by planting all these trees, where are they going to get the water? Do you have any ideas on that? Well, first off, Dave, we're in pretty darn good shape here in Metropolitan Phoenix on water. We are fortunate and blessed that people that came here, you know, first off, thousands of years ago and dug the original canals and then followed up by the farmers and the group that came at the turn of the last century that developed the canals and the SRP system. Uh, and then just by our geographic location in the state where the rivers kind of cross through the valley and the water drains through here in our aquifers, you know, we're in pretty good shape, you know, in Tempe and Phoenix and in the metropolitan area. And putting these trees up does cool everything. And just let, right. let's, let's look at the other sides. If it's cooler, we're not going to lose as much to evaporation. So, you know, while they're going to transpire moisture, you know, the cooling effect and the benefit we're using getting from our water is tremendous. And and we and we're, we have no problem here in Arizona with water. We have a problem with how we manage water, and we have a problem with how much we're going to develop new areas that are outside areas that have historically been farmed or historically had water. So, you know, our distribution and our, and our sprawl can be a problem. But the fact of having plenty of water to, to live in a nice climate in a beautiful area in a great part of the world, you know, we're really special. And I was teasing my friends in Florida this week. I said, you know, these guys have got all these ideas how, you know, they're so independent, you know, and they don't want me to be part of the United States. Well, you know what? Let's look at something. How much it costs to fix these hurricanes? You know, they're down there. We're spending billions and billions of dollars in the whole Gulf Coast fixing the hurricane problems. When all we really need to do is dig a new ditch. You know, every farmer, when we go out and farm, what do we do? We dig a ditch. We move a water from one place to the field to grow our crops. And, you know, here for us in the West, where we don't have to fight with all the hurricanes, all the terrible weather, we can grow more food than anybody. What we need to do is we need to build a new ditch. It needs to go all the way to the Mississippi River. We need to bring floodwaters in, refill our residents. If millions and millions of people want to live here, we need to invest the time and invest the money so we can bring more water in because we've got plenty of water for the original population. That was never a problem. We have a problem because more people want to live here, and we want to welcome them. You know, this is a beautiful place. We love to share it, and where it's a very inexpensive place to farm comparatively. You know, it's inexpensive because we don't have the hurricanes, and we don't have the, the earthquakes as much. We have mild earthquakes here in Arizona, but the reality is that if we're going to develop this place, if we're going to live here, we have to have trees. We have to cool our environment because, you know, geographically, globally, we're getting warmer. So the trees help to cool everything. They help to mitigate. They clean the air. They do all kinds of wonderful things for us. What we have to do is get more water to our trees. We can't make any more water. We need to move water. You know, there's one solution. It's dig a ditch. Right. Okay, and then a second question. Hey, Dave, I'll uh, tell you what. I can take your second question in a minute, but I've got Troy Barrett in here with the news. Okay. And, uh, and I'll put you on hold. You can be right back. Okay. We'll be right back after the news with Mr. Troy Barrett here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. While we're gone, we do have two lines available. The number to call is 602-277-5827-277-KTAR. Sunshine of my life. That's why I'll always be around. 
And um, here with old Franco, we can enjoy a little sunshine. Dave and Tempe, we're back. Okay, so my second question is, uh, just over a year ago, I had a desert willow planted in my yard. It was like a 30 or 32-inch pot. Uh, how frequently and yeah, how frequently should I be watering that now as it's getting cooler? Uh, almost not at all. You know, if it's been in for a year, you can water it now once every two weeks, Dave, depending on where you're located in Tempe, what your soil's like. But okay. uh, what, what cross street you at, Dave? Price and Elliot. Okay. Not Price and Guadalupe, rather. Okay, so you've got you've got great soil. So once once every two weeks is plenty. You know, it's fairly dormant this time of year. Uh, when it loses its leaves in December, you can go a month and not water it at all. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And then you'll start off once every two weeks in the spring when it pops its new buds out, which is going to be somewhere probably around the middle of March. Okay. And, you know, truthfully, for a desert willow to be very healthy in the summertime, uh, once every two weeks in the summer, next year will be fine, too. The key oh, is okay. in utilizing our water when we're going to water trees is to water deep and for a long time. Okay, so Ursula from the University of Arizona did a great research study down at the Mac Farm, which is down in Maricopa. And uh, she planted all these trees, started them on flood irrigation, and then she tried every different, you know, way to kill them as far as backing off on the water. And trees like desert willows will survive and be very healthy when they're more established two or three years down the road, deep watered once a month in the summertime. So they can be very, very efficient water users, users, beautiful trees. And that goes for a lot of desert trees. But there's big differences in the ones we grow and the frequency they need water. But, you know, a a true desert tree like a desert willow, um, you know, can survive and be very healthy and very happy. So if we're going to, you know, mitigate our water use, what we want to do is we want to water deep and not so often. That pushes the salts away and get our trees well established so they can survive droughts and use less water. Because every time we water, put water on the surface, we're losing some evaporation. Um, so these deep, right, you know, deep spare, you know, spaced out irrigations are far superior. Dave, I'm going to let you go. We have lines full, but thanks for the call. Charles in North Phoenix. Good morning, Charles. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I've recently purchased a couple of uh, cutting, uh, plumera cuttings, Mm -hmm. and I put them in pots. Uh, Is it too cold to leave them out right now? Well, they really need the heat, you know, to to get started and established with the new cuttings. How long have you had them in your containers, Charles? Two days. <laughs> okay. They're going to be houseplants this year, Charles. Um, oh, okay. You know, really, plumerias, most species, most varieties are going to go dormant in the wintertime. So they've got maybe another three or four weeks to to do any kind of root growth or, you know, generate any roots. And then it's, the days are going to be so short that they're not going to really do much. So you're basically okay. going to have those cuttings just sitting in those containers from now until spring. Now, come March, when the days start to get longer and the temperature's warmer, They'll root out 
and grow pretty fast. Be careful not to overwater them. Keep them in a light potting soil, you know, so they don't sit in water at all. And uh, yeah. and they're just going to be the cuttings sitting there pretty much till spring. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. I left them out two nights in a row. Is that going to hurt them? No, I mean, the, the temperature right now is not going to hurt them. I mean, we used to have a nursery okay. over in Carson, California, you know, and, and there by, you know, outside of Long Beach, you know, it's 50 degrees every night in the summertime and 80 in the daytime. This is the most perfect growing weather on the planet. It couldn't be any nicer than it is right now, but it's going to change. Okay. Yeah, I have I have heating pads in the house so where I grow, so oh. I can leave them on that. And, you, and I have a grow light above it. Well, so. if you put them on a grow light and bottom heat and root them out and get them established indoors, um, they'll be fine. You know, you can okay. you can change the climate and do fantastic things with uh, plumerias. So as long as you can keep the soil warm and give them some light, they'll they'll pop right out and grow all winter. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Thanks, Charles. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Uh, Paul in Avondale. Good morning, Paul. Hey, Brian. Um, <clears throat> I made the mistake of listening to you for years, especially the feeding schedule and stuff like that. And consequently, I've got a garden that's just flourishing all the time. <laughs> it just <laughs> never stops. <laughs> so um, after the Labor Day feeding, especially the Cape honeysuckle um, has just gone nuts. I mean, it, it blooms all year. But now um, I've, I've decided instead of having bush balls, as I call them, of Cape honeysuckle, uh-huh. I've grown them to be a hedge across all the walls. Uh-huh. And now the question is, when do I trim these things? Um, because I know if I trim them now, I'm just going to have a bunch of sticks, right? Well, they've only got about another two, three weeks to grow, you know, and then they're going to be very dormant. Uh, right now, they're probably in perfect bloom. I mean, this is the weather that Cape oh honeysuckles gosh, love. So, you know, what I would do is let them go till past the frost date or somewhere in the middle of uh, February and butcher them. Okay. You know, they're going to slow way down on the growth just because the days are shorter and the nights are cooler. So, and and you can maintain, if you want to do a little moderate pruning to them right now, that's fine because they're going to grow out for the next few weeks. But if you prune them back very far, they're going to look pruned all winter. That's what I'm afraid of because they've done it's an excellent job hiding um, all the walls in the front yard and the backyards. And I I hate to just um, prune them and then end up with nothing but sticks where now you have Gorgeous, gorgeous blooms at the bees and the, uh, especially the bees, they're everywhere. Um, and the other thing I want to thank you guys on, you, you talked me into getting a uh, push pistachio. Oh, red push. And yeah, yeah. And because I'm ancient old, I, uh, I decided to go for a, a much larger tree. And this thing is brilliant. I mean, every week it grows like another foot. <laughs> well, they're, one, they're, they're a wonderful tree. Just be mindful of the fact they don't like to stay wet. And if you do that, yeah. they'll be very happy. And uh, the other thing they love is uh, you talk me into getting um, a fertilizer. Um, it's like a citrus fertilizer. I think it says on the back. Yeah, the Organo um, Pro Citrus goes a very, a very well balanced fertilizer for the valley here. It does. It. I mean, everything. Even even the the Texas sage loves it. I mean, it's fabulous. So the last question I have for you, um, I also have. I think it's called a Vitek plant. It has purple um, flowers all over it. Uh huh. Um, and the same trim question goes for that. Well, do typically for... on a traditional Vitex, what you're going to do is let it lose its foliage in the wintertime. And so it's going to go bare somewhere mid-December, early January. And it's a wonderful time to prune it. And, it, and it's fun to prune a Vitex because there's so much to grow and mix in there that uh, if you want to take the time to artfully prune one, they're, they're very fun for you to prune. And you want to prune them while they're dormant. Okay, sounds good. Thanks. Keep Thanks, listening. Paul. I've been listening to you for years, and it's brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, Matt and Glendale, good morning, Matt. Hey, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. 
I have a tree question. I have several trees on my property, but I have one mesquite that is extremely large. Uh, probably a foot and a half, two foot diameter trunk. And the the branches on it are, and they get like 20 feet long, and I'm really worried about it going down. And I'm wondering how far back you can cut a mesquite. Well, let me ask you this, Matt. Does it have thorns? No. Okay, so it's probably a Chilean mesquite. And uh, Chileans, the, the the weak side about them is that they can be damaged and break a lot in windstorms. And so pruning them is a good thing. Uh, if you prune them this time of year, Matt, they're going to look pruned all winter. So they're not going to grow and fill back in. And normally we would recommend doing major pruning on mesquite trees would be in the spring when they start to grow before the monsoon season and after they flower. So they'll typically flower in March, okay? And then sometime between there and May, if you want to prune them back, you'll eliminate a lot of the beans and some of the litter, and you'll have the tree so that it will withstand more winds and be stronger. You can prune them back as much as you want to. You know, when you go hiking in the desert and look at mesquite trees, you'll find where we've had droughts and the, the boars have eaten them, the trees have died down to just a big trunk, and then it'll get a wet season, nice monsoon like we had this year year more rain and that tree will grow back into a 30 foot tree so they don't have determined branching structure you know you can do a lot of things to prune a mesquite you can come back and correct prunings that you make just because you want to reduce its size so you can just prune away and that's not a problem at all and you can do it any time of year you can do it right now just be mindful of what you prune it to right now it's what it's going to look like till march okay all right perfect thanks matt thank you bye-bye uh, Rick and Surprise. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Brian. I have a tip for Jerry in Sun City Grant. I oh, okay. live in Sun City Grant, and I'm, I am inundated by those cottontails as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, some shrubs that I, I've had great uh, effect with not having the bunnies eat are oleanders, natal plums, uh, little john bottle brush, and dwarf evergreen mock oranges. They haven't touched them. What and about have, any flowers, Rick? Are you doing any annuals? No, no, I, 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 I don't do those. And I'm, I'm surprised that I, I think Jerry would be happy with with any of those. But as far as annuals, I agree. I, I didn't hear that. That's what he said. He well, no, that's okay. But I was, I was just wondering if you had any experience with any annuals that they wouldn't eat. You know, <laughs> I, no, I haven't. They certainly. I, 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 I can give you a list of their favorites. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so before before I let you go, though, I want some. I love your idea about barbecued uh, cottontail. Mm-hmm. I want some tips on effectively trapping those cottontails without horrifying my neighbors. Well, first off, you have to do it in the backyard. You know, what they used to do is they used to have roundups. They used to herd them, you know. So you yeah, get all no, the neighbors out and herd them up all down the street and chase them into an area. Then I can't say what happened to them on the air. But, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, and, and that was the, they used to have big rabbit roundups like that in agriculture, you know, back in the oh, for, for, for all history. They did, you know, especially with jackrabbits, because they decimate all kinds of things. But, um, no, I mean, you, you can bait them in and trap them. You can feed them for a while and get them into an area. You can you lure them into a cage pretty easy. Um, oh, so, so you're caging them. Well, you have to catch them first. Unless you're you're awfully spry. You know, I was never that agile when I played football, but I mean, some people are. (laughs) No, I didn't know if you were talking about like some some, uh, trip 
wire, uh, whatever. The, I, I know there's different traps that are, that are used for trapping animals. Yeah, I mean, you just got to catch them, catch them first, you know. And but after you catch them, then somebody has to eat them. <laughs> well, yeah, well I mean, it could be the coyote out in the <laughs> desert, but you know, somebody has to eat them. You know, that's why rabbits produce so fast is because they're a big part of the food cycle, you know, for a lot of animals. I mean, rabbits are out there and the owls and the hawks and the coyotes and the foxes and a lot of things, you know, eat rabbits. So the cage trap is what you have in mind. Yeah, yeah, you can just have a flat trap that go in like a like a have a heart live trap. You know, you can catch a lot of things in those. Or when we were little kids, you know, we had a box. We used to have the crates that the... You know, the, the oranges were sold in before we had plastic and all those things. We used to have wooden, you know, boxes called a field box and a little stick with that. And you lose the rabbit in there. You can catch the rabbit that way. But, you know, a lot of fun things happen in life. You know, I one of my most horrifying experiences as a kid was we, we used to raise rabbits. Uh, and my my dad, when he killed the rabbits after raising them, they, they emitted this high-pitched Shriek. Oh, that's it, horrible. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget. Yeah. Anybody who's ever hunted rabbits will tell you the same story. You know, one of one of my worst stories is with my, my oldest son, and we were, uh, you know, fishing, and he loved to fish, and we had a pond in the yard, and then the first time we decided to eat the fish, and I had a, a, a dull knife and a big catfish, it was, uh, that wasn't a good experience. So there's, there's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of those uh, experiences that uh, people don't experience like they used to. But, uh, Rick, you know, yeah. and then they can be traumatic, and we have to be mindful as human beings to others' thoughts and feelings as well. Hey, I appreciate the call. We have to take a break. But thanks for the ideas, Rick. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, we'll be right back after this brief break with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. If you'd like to go share it during the break, the number to call, 602-277-5827-277-KTR. And you can be up after Martha and Litchfield on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Take a minute and invite you out to Whitfield's. You know, this is a, a great song. I recommend it. Uh, we listen to it often to remember uh, who we are, where we come from, and uh, how we can work together to make things better. And, you know, some of those people that gave everything, uh, you know, for us. 
And we, we, we do owe them something. And we do owe their memory and we owe their thoughts something. We owe each other more, even more. Anyway, I want to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees. My grandparents started back in the 40s. We have a lot of fun doing that. And we've been growing trees for now four generations. If you need trees, any kind, any size, come out and see us. We deliver plant and guarantee. We're licensed, bond insured. No jobs too big, none's too small. 15 gallons to big 72-inch box if you need one tree or if you need a 1,000. If you like palm trees, we have beautiful dates, Mexican fans, California fans. Bismarcky has all kinds of palm trees, Sylvester's, um, even they have some mule palms. No, they're not like donkeys. These are big, green, tropical trees. Trees that look kind of like a coconut. We grow all kinds of citrus. We have beautiful shade trees like ash elm, pistachios, fruitless olives like Swan Hills and Wilson Eyes. Whatever your dream for that perfect landscape, come out and see us. We have beautiful flowers this time of year. It's prime flower season. And from geraniums, petunias, pansies, snap stalks to uh, about every kind of other flower you'd imagine would grow here does fine. We have nice vegetable plants and beautiful shrubs. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale. We're in the East Valley of Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern, Southern Avenue, straight south to Sky Harbor Airport. Whitfield Nursery for four generations, growing trees here for Arizona's future. Uh, Martha in Litchfield, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. I have a fruitless olive tree that has developed some kind of nodules on the trunk. And somebody told me that it was a bacteria and that they were galls. Is there anything I can do to treat that, or what can I do to help the tree? Well, usually what you're going to see mostly in an olive tree like that is going to be nodes where the buds have been cut and they just kind of grow up. And that's kind of normal. How old is your tree, Martha? It's about 10 years old. Has it got to the point in life where it has coarse bark yet? Yes. Okay. So these it, are, the, it's not leafing like correctly. It, the um, they look like clusters of brittle something. I don't know what it is. Let me ask you this: Have you used any? Uh, how do you kill your weeds? Um, uh, I'm not sure. The landscaper. What he uses. Okay, so I think what happens, I think your problem is going to be a herbicide that's been sprayed in the ground. And the, the herbicide, do you have weeds growing around? Do you see a lot of weeds? There's not a whole lot. It's like in a rocky area, mm-hmm. but there's not a whole lot of weeds. Okay, so I think what happens, he's probably used a product um, on your ground that's toxic to your olive tree to kill the weeds. Okay. So the first course would be to stop them. Um, there's one called Ortho Ground Clear that... Uh, Will if you can spray it on, it'll stop the weeds, but it also stunts the growth on your tree. The new growth, the new buds will come out mis- misshapen. You know, look like little cauliflowers at the ends of the leaves. And so, what it is is a chemical problem. Has nothing to do with uh, any kind of bacteria or anything. And okay. the cure for it is time. It takes it about a year to go out of the system to where the chemical's inactive. And then you never want to use that chemical ever again. If you want to spray for weeds, um, the two safest courses are to use something with like glyphosate, which is Roundup. You know, this is if we're going to just mechanically hoe, but use like a Roundup spray and then a pre-emergent. It's going to cost more, but it's not going to harm your other plants. The good news is for an olive tree, it'll probably grow out of it. You know, olive trees can live for an awful long time. But I would stop them from using any chemicals that you don't inspect on your yard okay okay all right thank you thank you bye-bye uh lynn in phoenix good morning lynn good morning um i have um house plants that seem to be dying i have i tried one of those apps 
where you take a picture of it and it tells you. Uh-huh. And one of it said that it was, um, oh, no, Bright Life or something like that. And then the other one was just saying your plant is sick. So, <laughs> Well, let's talk <laughs> about what, what Do you know what kind of plant you have, Lenny? Um, no, they're just the house, normal house plants that hang down with the big leaves. They okay. have elephant ears. Uh-huh. So like full of dendrians and they're going to be like pothos and things like yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So typically a couple things happen with those. Uh, number one is that they, you know, they get kind of so big in a pot and we keep them for years and years. Are yours, do they have really long runners? Yeah. Okay. So they've been, you've had them for a while. So number one I would yeah. do is I would check the back of the leaves for spider mites because they do get spider mites. And if you turn the leaf over and if you're as old as I am, you got to get like a magnifying glass or some stronger glasses or take the leaf and beat it on a piece of white paper and see if any little tiny guys come climbing off the back of it. And spider mites mm-hmm. can be pretty common. Okay. And, and they'll get on them and they'll really hurt the plant. And so if you find the little spider mites, what you want to do is just go to your favorite nursery garden center and you can get an indoor pesticide you can spray on it. So you take it out in the back patio and spray on it. And that should help to control your spider mites. Okay. You can also okay. wipe them off if you wanted to with alcohol and clean them that way, but it depends on how big your plant is. The next thing to look at, it seems like you've had the plant for a while. It's got long runners, so your watering is probably okay. But we see uh-huh. more of a problem with, with house plants sometimes being overwatered and then the roots can rot on them as well. So you'd want to, mm-hmm. you want to kind of check that. And what you can do to kind of help along those lines is you can take some hydrogen peroxide and just regular hydrogen peroxide, mix it with water about 50 50 and water your plant one time. And that'll help clean out a lot of pathogens and different things that can be in your soil. Oh, okay. okay. So that's a pretty easy thing to do, and you can take it out in the back patio and do that. So I would look for those two problems first. Okay. Okay. And then, do you feed on a regular basis or at all, or? Yeah. Okay. So like once a week. That's too often to fertilize. Okay. Oh. So okay. that kind of tricked you into answering that one. But anyway, what you want to no, do is, you know, realistically <laughs> with that pothos, if you'll feed it once a month, it'd be more than enough. Okay. Oh, well. And and leaching uh-huh. leaching the fertilizer out by just a good flush and good watering should take care with most potting soils the f- excess fertilizer in a plant. But you'll see oftentimes if you're doing that, you'll get brown tips on the ends of the on the leaves. Yeah. Well, that's usually too much fertilizer. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Sounds wonderful. I'll go ahead and get on it. All right. Thanks, Lenny. (laughs) Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, it looks like we're going to run into time where we're going to find out what's happening in the news again before we get to the call. We're going to come back with Joe and Paula. And uh, after Joe and Paula, you could be up next in the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show. The number to call during the break for... To talk to Miss Shearer at 602-277-5827-277-KTAR. Hope you're enjoying the program. We sure enjoy your calls. And we'll be right back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here every Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM KTAR. Or you can catch us on the website uh, if you're out of the town. We'll be right back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show.